0: day guy living in the middle of the country i'm not a politician nor do i aspire to be one i care about you i care about your friends and your family as well as my friends and my family during these trying times that have become so polarized i like to look at things objectively with an idea of progress in mind bringing a solution and not just a problem hoping that one day i won't feel so blue in this red state hello this is eric garrett so I'm feeling blue in a red state we have a new year we got new digs we've got new energy and we've got a new schedule that we are going to actually try to keep this year i'm sorry it's been so long since we've put out an episode we have been doing a lot of revamping uh we also got a new intro song i'm sure you heard and noticed that it was different um a lot of new things going on here and we're going to try to bring a new energy to um, a lot of issues that I believe this country still faces. As I mentioned, always trying to look at problems objectively and try to come up with not just um, the problems that most of us already know exist, but also the solutions that maybe possibly we could look towards uh, getting done in this country, um, whether it be through writing letters to senators, um, protesting or um, possibly some of you running for public office whether it's local or state or even federal um, but to try to get some of these uh, I don't know, some of these issues actually resolved we've got a lot of people sitting in public offices that have known about these issues for a long time and nothing ever gets done about them and these, these are basic issues which um, I'm going to kind of touch on touch on several of them today, and um, kind of give you an idea or an outline of what, uh, you, what you can expect for the rest of the year. Have you ever noticed that even though the amount of money per hour you were making or the amount of money that you were making a year has gradually gone up, yet the amount of extra money that you have has gone down? Have you ever noticed the amount of money they take out of your check every week is more and the coverage that you actually get has decreased? If the answer is yes to both of these, then you probably live in the United States. Of all the problems in this country, cost of healthcare, quality of healthcare, and income inequality, student loan debt, and the cost of higher education, let alone the corrupt justice system, are among the ones that top the list. Stagnant wages and rising costs have crippled the middle class, essentially lowering their standard of living. It's estimated that over 70% of all Americans couldn't afford an emergency of just $500. The cost of prescription drugs have gone up, and people are rationing their medication just to not lose their homes. Why is this? One may ask. Why is the wealthiest nation on the planet home to one of the largest homeless populations? Why is the wealthiest nation on the planet home to one of the largest uninsured populations? The answer is very simple. Money. Capitalism, actually, more specifically. This is where capitalism fails. And the true failure is not only now becoming so apparent that it is hard to deny, but capitalism creates a wealth gap, no question about it. But when you are constantly turning to the private sector for basic needs, you are creating a perfect storm in which we are in. There are too few people controlling too much of the wealth in this nation. There are too many profit-driven companies within the healthcare system and higher education is becoming unaffordable to anyone who doesn't come from a wealthy family, thus making it difficult if not impossible to rise up and live the American dream or be an American success story that you used to hear so much about. This is due to profit driven institutions for higher education, which is where I'm going to start today. At the top of the biggest challenges that young people face today in this country, it has to be the cost of college tuition and the student loans that they have to take in order to get these degrees that that have in, enormous interest rates. And, um, and a lot of times they don't provide you with an income when you're done that is even capable of paying off these mountains of student loan debt that you have. The average cost of college in the United States is about $35,000 per student per year. That includes books, supplies, and daily living expenses. The average cost of college has more than doubled in the 21st century with an annual growth rate of 7.1%. The average in-state student attending a public four-year institution spends $25,707 per year academic year that's a hundred over a hundred thousand uh, dollars for a bachelor's degree and that number is even higher if you're an out-of- state student um, the average private nonprofit university student spends a total of fifty four thousand dollars per year that is over two hundred thousand dollars at the end and considering student loan interest and loss of income the ultimate cost of a bachelor's degree can exceed $500,000 the cost of tuition has increased significantly over the last 40 years and even after adjusting for inflation you can see that it is well more than doubled in 1963 the annual cost for tuition at a four-year public college was two hundred and forty three dollars which had the same buying powers, about about $2,000 in today's money. In September of 2022, uh, from 1963 to 2020, the cost of tuition increased 355% after adjusting for inflation. Between 2010 and 2011 to the 2020-21, before it, Adjusting for inflation, the average tuition increased 11.4% at a two-year college. During that same period, the average tuition increased 30.9% at a public four-year institution and 41.3% at private and nonprofit four-year institutions. From 2000 to 2020, the average post-secondary tuition inflation outpaced wage inflation 111.4%. In 1963, the cost of a four-year degree from a public university was $972. 1989, that same degree cost $7,120. And in 2021, that same degree cost over $100,000. Most public Institutions receive money from taxpayers from the state and federal governments, yet they continue to charge outlandish and increasing, increasing tuition fees that are. I mean, when you, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. They, they are crippling young people. It, it is why that um, the today's young people have a lower percentage of home ownership a lower percentage of um, having children because they can't afford either one. Most people can't afford to live without a roommate, let alone buying a home or, you know, getting married and having a family. They can't even afford to live without a roommate because if you really think about it, if you want to pay off a hundred year, or I mean, I'm sorry, not a hundred year, a 30 or a hundred thousand dollars in 30 years which puts you well into your fifties by the time you're done paying off your student loans, you're going to have to pay a thousand dollars a month, a thousand dollars a month. That is $12,000 a year. Now, what is your bachelor's degree going to get you? Because that's all I'm, that's all I'm figuring in because if you want to get a master's or a doctorate degree, you're going to spend even more money than that. And you're, and your. uh, Your payment's probably going to be closer to $2,000 a month. But even with just a bachelor's degree, let's say what this is going to do is this is, and it's already started to happen. If you are a parent out there, you notice that there's a a lack of teachers and there's for sure a lack of qualified teachers because nobody can afford to be a teacher right now. If you think about it, what does a teacher make? The average starting wage for a teacher is less than $40,000 a year less than $40,000 a year. Now, if you figure in, you got to pay a $1,000 a month. Okay. You're $40,000 a year after taxes, social security, and, and, you know, insurance and all that stuff really translates into about $28,000 a year. So let's, let's take that. Now you've got $28,000 of usable money, of usable money. Now you got to pay, twelve or you gotta pay a thousand dollars a month to pay off that student loan. So now you're you take twelve that's twelve thousand dollars a year. So now that twenty eight thousand quickly becomes sixteen thousand. You've got to pay rent and utilities and uh and you know you know property tax if you're buying or you know your rent or whatever if you're renting but you figure in your total living expenses at a very low cost of living place is still going to be a thousand dollars a month, respectively. It's probably more, but we're going to say a thousand just to be easy here. That's another twelve thousand dollars a year. So now that sixteen thousand that you had left is now four thousand. Okay, you need a. You're, I'm assuming you're going to have some sort of a commute to and from work. So you're going to need a car. We're not going to get a brand new car because we know teachers can't afford to buy brand new cars. They can't afford $1,000 a month um, you know, car payment. So let's say a decent used car that's the least reliable, you figure on the low side of that is going to be $300 a month, which is another $3,600 a year. Now that four thousand turns into four hundred. You haven't gotten insurance. You haven't bought clothes. You haven't bought food. You haven't done anything. Do you see where I'm going with this? It is literally impossible to become a teacher today. So if you notice that most qualified teachers out there are elderly or, you know, are getting towards retirement age because they went through school in a time when it wasn't so crippling to uh, pay for school. So when you really think about it, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing with today's youth? We what basically what we're telling them is that uh, you better come from a rich family, or you better work in a factory. You better come from a rich family, or it's the gas station for you. You better come, I mean, because what what we're doing is we're making it unaffordable. To go to college, but yet we're telling these same students that we make it unaffordable for them to attend college, that they have to attend college in order to get a good job. Why is college so expensive? Because there is big money in student loans. And what I mean by that is a lot of people think that, okay, well, where do student loans come from? They come from financial institutions. They charge interest on them. They charge interest on them like any place else does. So there's money and they know that most students can't afford to pay for college out of pocket. They have to take out student loans and they know because people are desperate and have to do it, they can make the interest rates, whatever they want, and people will still uh, take out loans because they've been told that they have to go to college in order to make a life for themselves. And the... And the system in this country has made it that way to where you have to have a degree in order to have a successful life. In most cases, not all cases, but most cases. So basically what we're saying is if you want to have any chance at life, you have to take out these high interest loans that we are going that you're going to have to pay for the next 30 years of your life. This is why. Other countries are ahead of us in education now. This is why. Because other countries don't charge. I mean, if they do charge for college, it's not even a fraction of what we charge. But most developed nations have free state schools where if all you have to do is be a citizen to qualify. Or I think uh, France, you have to be able to speak French in order to qualify. That's the... That's how you. That's how you get in. Um, now, private schools are private schools. They're going to charge, and they can charge whatever they want. But the state schools, the ones that take state and federal funding, they are are um, tuition free. Now, some of them you may have to pay for books, room, and board, but that's fine. That's at least a little more fair than having to pay these outlandish tuition costs. Which um, I mean, they're just they're they're crippling in this country and uh so that right there is another way that capitalism has failed us because now what we've done is we have turned getting a higher education into a business. education is a is a basic need it's a it's a it's it's something that we that we used to revere we used to revere in this country and um you you know You worked hard and you went and you studied and you did good in school, but now you have to, you have to have money in order to attend school or you don't get a go, or you have to take out these outlandish loans and pay, pay for the next 30 years of your life. So basically now there is a dollar amount on, on your education, which there never should have been. And lastly, um, I want to talk about for-profit schools. Um, These are schools that are um, a majority of the funding comes from shareholders, yet they still, um, you know, the students still take out federal student loans in order to pay for these schools. Um, They engage in a lot of deception uh, because they are, I mean, specifically for-profit and shareholders are, um, they control the, you know, what goes on at the school, so they engage in a lot of deception to entice students. Um, they also, students that go to these uh, for-profit schools, default on loans at a higher rate. Um, many of them have closed, um, but students are still on the hook for these loans. And without paying for these loans, a lot of these schools won't give their, the students their transcripts. So they have to pay, so they can't go finish their degree elsewhere, even though they're closed and um they so they can't finish their degree there they need to go to a different place to finish their degree so they can pay off these loans uh, but they can't do that because until the loans are paid off to them they won't release their transcripts so they can go finish their degree it's complete and utter bullshit um and i could talk about i could talk about the um you know education system and the higher education system for hours but i'm not going to do that because it's the first episode of the year and i want to touch on a few other subjects too and i don't want this to be two hours long so i'm going to leave the education system there for now we will be talking about this later on in the year Um, it's going to probably come up multiple times because until it gets better i'm going to try to raise as much awareness to it as possible This next uh, portion, I want to talk about the healthcare system and the uh, lack of their ability to rein costs into a reasonable amount. The average amount that a person spends on healthcare every year is twelve thousand dollars. Twelve thousand dollars. The next closest, the very next closest country that's developed is half, half of that. And some may ask, well, is the quality of care? quality of care matters. So the, the U.S. probably has twice as good a health care. Well, unfortunately, that is not the case. In fact, we rank near the, the bottom of most important categories. Um, our infant mortality, our mother or, you know, our parent, uh, maternal mortality are near the bottom Our um, diabetes and and then our cost of prescription drugs are are out of control, out of control. And there is a very good reason for all of this. It's actually easy to explain why the um, why healthcare costs so much in this country, and why it's different here than it is in other countries. Most developed nations have some sort of a single payer system or um, a universal healthcare type system. Most developed nations have this. Our politicians say that it's not not feasible. We can't afford to pay for insurance for everybody else. Um, well, if we're the wealthiest nation in the country or in the world, then why why can places like Colombia and Mexico have universal health care, but we can't? These are countries that are known to be third world, and yet they can still afford to do it. Why can't we? And I answer. There is our healthcare system is for profit. If you noticed a um, noticed a common theme among the things I've been saying in this episode, it is for profit. Everything, everything in this country is about money. This is the greediest country in the history of the world. Greed feeds this uh, monster that just soaks in all of hardworking Americans' money. And then it just spits out sick and dying people. In the very next episode, I'm going to take a deeper dive into healthcare. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it today. But what I am going to say is that I'm just going to throw out a few examples of what I'm talking about. Um, due to the fact that um, the governments of other countries negotiate and um, they regulate the costs of healthcare, that and their nonprofit the cost of care stays at a relatively low, low number. Now it's not, it's not free in some places. And it's certainly a little bit costly in other places. But like I said, the next closest to us is at half of what we pay. So we are still far exceeding the cost than any other country by a lot. So um, as I mentioned other countries, they regulate that government regulates the cost of care, and they also um, they also have a single single payer system. Um, so that means the government negotiates the cost with the you know healthcare providers. Rather than having like what we have is multiple different payers. and that means each in, each individual insurance company and each individual has to negotiate the cost of their care, Well, some people pay a lot more. Some people pay a lot less. It's not consistent and it's not fair. And to give you an example, let's just take um, prescriptions, prescription drugs. For example, the cost of insulin per month in Canada is uh, about $30, which the government actually ends up picking up the tab for that same bottle of insulin. That comes from the exact same factory costs an American three hundred dollars after insurance. So, where Canada's it's only thirty dollars, but then the government goes ahead and pays it, so it's actually nothing. Here, after insurance, it's three hundred dollars. The retroviral uh, for HIV, which is essentially the cure for AIDS, um, in Australia is $8, $8, here in the United States, which most insurances do not cover it, um, it is $2,000, $2,000, and it was, and American taxpayers are the ones that spent, you know, footed the bill for all of the research to come up with this pill, then from the same very factory, they are charging Americans $2,000 and Australians $8. You know why? Because Australians government was able to negotiate the price meanwhile of course our government's not going to do it because we have a healthcare system that you know we have there are more lobbyists for insurance companies than there are any other any other uh, branch of you know company there there is more lobbyists for insurance and there's a reason for that because they've got to continue to grease the palms of the politicians so we can keep the pharmaceutical companies, and the healthcare providers with unfettered access to the free market. So what they do is they have, they're completely unregulated, completely unregulated. So they can charge whatever they want and be damned. So they basically put in a dollar amount on, on our lives, basically. Now, like I said, I'm not going to talk a lot about... Insurance and healthcare. This episode, because I'm going to save that because that's going to be in a in an, in an upcoming episode real soon, where we're going to take a deeper dive into it. But I just kind of wanted to touch uh, touch all of the talking points and all of the main reasons why uh, we're facing the problems that we are facing here in this country uh, today. So I'm going to leave the healthcare uh, talk right now, and then I'm going to move on. Uh, but Stay tuned for future episodes because we are going to take a deep dive into this uh, real soon. And finally, before I let you go, we're going to talk about the justice system and um, how corrupt it is uh, and how unfairly it is um, executed as far as providing actual justice. Um I'm also going to keep this relatively short as I want to keep our episode length down a little bit. Plus, I do want to um, – there is going to be a lot where we're going to – like just like the healthcare system, we're going to take a deeper dive into this in a future episode. But I do want to touch base on just a few of the um, issues that we have surrounding our justice system. And, like I mentioned, just stay tuned for future episodes because we will take a deep dive into um, the justice system as a whole and um, spend an entire episode focused strictly on it rather than, you know, jump into multiple situations like we are in this episode. Um, uh, basically, what I'm doing is using this episode as kind of a kind of like a teaser uh, to let you know what um, what's gonna be on deck here in the next uh, coming months. Um, but anyways, uh justice system okay let's um let's talk about how uh what we do as far as providing justice okay well most um most ways people are entered into the justice system starts with the police encounter um that is where the problems if uh, the problems start right there at the very beginning. Um our police in America kill on average a thousand people a thousand people a year a thousand people a year are killed murdered by the police most of them unarmed now even if they are armed and i and i love how they say well he had a gun or whatever but um in a country that um has is famous for being allowed to carry a gun then if carrying a gun is legal then that alone should not be reason enough for a police officer to shoot and kill you. It just shouldn't be. If it's perfectly legal to carry a gun, then they should. Then carrying said gun should not get you shot by the police. There are several reasons for why it is that this country, um, our, our police shoot more people than any other country. Uh, one of the main reasons is uh, that our our police are not as well-trained as in other countries. See, in, um, in this country, you don't have to have a degree in any sort of law enforcement or anything. You go to the police academy, depending on what state you're in, it can range anywhere from six weeks to six months. But it's not even a year, no matter what state you live in. Other countries, you have to go to school for five years, four years, um, some it's six years. Now... If you are going to be enforcing the laws of the land, it should be imperative that you know the laws of the land. And most police do not. They don't. It's impossible for them to learn at all in, in that short amount of time. So I am getting, uh, giving them a little bit of benefit of the doubt just for the simple fact that they do lack the amount of training that they really should have in order to um, do their job correctly. Another reason why our police shoot more people than any other country is the simple fact that guns are allowed in this country. It's a, it's legal to carry a gun in this country. So we have untrained people with guns scared that the person they're encountering has a gun too and they get, you know, when they get happy feet or they get a little uh, antsy, the first their first reaction is to shoot. Shoot first and ask questions later. Well, you can see how this could create a perfect storm, because what you do is you have untrained officers. You have untrained officers, and you've got them armed to the teeth. And then you have your regular run-of-the-mill citizen, but maybe seems like maybe he had, you know, something in his pocket. It might not even be a gun. You know, and he reaches for it, and then the the police officer automatically assumes the worst, and he pulls his weapon out and shoots. Well, who's at fault? Is it the system or is it the cop? Now, I think it's both. I think it's both because I do think that the police department do they they attract a certain type of individual, and I don't think that we vet them enough. I think what a, what a lot of times happens is you have people in there seeking revenge, people in there with um, a uh an authoritarian complex you have these kind of people in there that should be vetted out there should be psychological testing that um like a rigorous psychological testing uh before you're ever allowed to be a cop because it does take a certain type of person to to do that job i will say that yes it is a dangerous job but as far as jobs go it's not even in the top 25 most dangerous jobs. You know, they're always preaching about officer safety and officer safety this, officer safety that. Well, when you're like twice two times more likely to get shot in the line, uh, on duty as a bartender than you are a police officer. You don't see bartenders out there just often people often record numbers. You know why? Because they're not above the law, see? The cops are. See, they get they get they get all of these You know they get qualified immunity, and then they get they get all you know the people that are going to investigate if they do shoot somebody are their colleagues most likely their friends. What do you think is going to happen? Whose side do you think they're going to take? Almost always, it's going to be theirs, which makes them the most dangerous gang in the entire nation. Now I'm not saying that all cops are bad, and because I do I know some cops that are good cops. I I'm friends with some cops. And not all cops are bad. Don't don't uh, don't mistake what I'm saying for that, because I do think that there are good ones out there. But I just think that the bad ones out outnumber the good ones, and it's and just one bad cop is too many. And here's another thing: when we're talking about bad cops, and um, and the reason why I think there's more than just a few bad apples, which is what they love to say, is because an officer's job essentially, is to protect us. That's their job, to protect and serve. They're paid for by us. Our tax dollars pay for them, and their job is to protect us. Now, if there is another cop, one of their colleagues, violating our civil liberties and either beating on us or shooting at us or, you know, even just roughing us up a little bit, They And they turn the other cheek or they turn their head to, and they know this is happening and they do nothing about it, then they're not a good cop. They're a bad cop, too, even though they are not the ones doing it. If they fail to protect us from that cop, then they're just as bad. They're a bad cop, too, because at the very least, they're really bad at their job and they probably shouldn't have it. So there you have it. Those are those are bad cops. Next, we'll move on to um, let's say let's say you do get arrested for a crime, and let's say let's say that it, it is a crime that you that you did commit. Well, no, let's say it's a crime you didn't commit, but you got arrested for it, which happens way more often than it should ever happen. But do you do you wait a trial? No, you have to go to jail. You have to go to jail and sit there and await a trial, unless you have enough money to pay the to pay the courts, to let you out. So essentially, it's discrimination against poor people. Poor people sit in jail and await trial. Rich people bond out and they get awaited trial at home, or they get to go to work, and they get to carry on with their lives. Poor people have to sit in jail, losing their jobs, losing their families a lot of times, losing their freedom, awaiting a trial. Sometimes, which could take, depending on the crime, could take years. They just sit there without ever being convicted of a crime. In a place that says you're innocent until proven guilty, that's what happens. And that happens all of the time. 75% of all people that are in jail are, have not been convicted of a crime yet. They're just awaiting trial. Now, are most of them guilty? Probably. But that's not the point. The point is you're supposed to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. That's exactly what it says. So and also with 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 the fact that you know you can there's a dollar amount on your freedom always comes back to money, always comes back to money in this country. There's a dollar amount on your freedom. If you give us ten thousand dollars, we'll let you out of jail. <laughs> well, most people can't pay ten thousand dollars, but rich people can. so. So the, basically, what you're doing is you're imprisoning poor people for for nothing other than being poor because those rich people that are out, they committed the same crime, but they're out. So you're basically you're punishing people simply for being poor. There needs to be, some accountability for these arrests of innocent people there needs to be accountability on judges that sign search warrants that are bogus there needs to be accountability on prosecutors pursuing charges on people that they're not a, not a you know sure committed any crime you hear it all too often oh, well let's go ahead and try let's go ahead and see if we can get a conviction on this on this or that but that's bullshit because if you think about it, that they're, you're affecting somebody's life. This person that very well that you believe, even you as a prosecutor believe, could be innocent. You just don't know, but you're just willing to give it a shot. So, so now you have you yourself have reasonable doubt, and then you you still put them in jail and make them await a trial, and then drag them through a trial, them and their family. And you know, plaster their name in the paper saying that they've been arrested for this, even though they haven't been convicted of it. And you're going to ruin this person's life on a whim, on a chance that you might get a conviction. See, this is where we go wrong. What it does is prosecutors, they, you know, they're, it's, they're, uh, incentivized by wins and losses wins and losses that should not ever be the case it should be on is justice served if a, if the right person is on trial and gets put away that should be a win if the right person or if if a person was definitely not guilty and the defense wins that should still be a win because the because what was right and just is what happened it should never be incentivized to just wins and losses And if if it's going to be incentivized as to wins and losses, we need to reevaluate what we consider a win and what we consider a loss. I think if the prosecution wins and puts an innocent person in jail or in prison, that should be a loss. In fact, that should be a crime. You should be damn sure that you know for a fact that this person is guilty before you ever put them on trial, before you ever put them in a cell, before you ever do any of that, before you disrupt their life. They should, they should, you should know damn or for damn certain that they committed a crime before you ever, you know, start disrupting their lives. And I get it. There's no perfect way to do this, but there's a more perfect way than the way we do it. And I hear it all the time, you know, we know it's not a perfect system, but it's the only one we have. Well, guess what, motherfucker? let us We know it's not perfect. Let's fix it. Let's get it a little closer to perfect. Maybe we'll never get it to all the way perfect, but let's get it a little closer. Because right now it is broken. We need sweeping fundamental changes to our entire justice system. And everybody's like, well, that's going to take time. It's going to take time. It, no shit, it's going to take time. But the longer we wait, the longer we have, to, the longer we wait to start, the longer it'll be before we ever see any actual change. Let's start now. These are the things right now. Like we have so many, our prisons, we we imprison more people than any other country in the world. We have we only are 4% of the world's population yet we house 25% of the world's inmates if you can't see a problem in that then i don't know what to tell you and i and i get sick and tired of these law and order well you know blah 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 you shouldn't commit crime shouldn't commit crime you know what everybody has committed a crime everybody has committed a crime i know tons of people that you know that you know say shit like that that i've seen drive drunk I've seen them drive when they were over a .08. For certain, they just didn't get caught. That's the only difference. They're just lucky enough to have never gotten caught. That's the only difference between them and somebody who possibly could be in prison for DUI. You guys both committed the same crime. You just didn't get caught, and they did. That doesn't make you better. That doesn't make you more law-abiding. That just makes you luckier. And we have too many people that only think about themselves we have too many people that think about themselves and not about like they don't they don't consider like what if you know somebody i know or love ends up becoming a drug addict because of circumstances in their life you know they needed some sort of relief and they you know they turned to alcohol or drugs you know that happens every day and it's not necessarily the addict's fault you know that that life's beating them down you know not everybody gets a fair shake not everybody gets to start at the same f- start line and and it happens i've seen it happen it's happened in my family and i and i definitely i empathize with it you know and we've got far like almost 50% of our inmates are in there on drug related charges now what we do is we use prison to punish them and shame them and then we give them criminal records and then we let them out and then we put we tell them they have to get jobs but yet then we put barriers in front of them we give them a felony on their record places won't hire them what do they do they have to turn back to drugs and it's a vicious cycle and then 70% of our inmates that get released end up back in prison it's not a good system it's broken like i said i'm going to go into this a lot more in a lot more detail in a later episode but Just kind of giving you an idea and an example of the angle that I'm kind of speaking from. And everything I'm telling you is I'm I'm coming at it with an unbiased. I I don't have any, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not facing trial for anything. Nobody I know is facing trial for anything. So I'm just coming at it with, you know, just with fresh eyes maybe, I guess you know let's let's look at this problem and see what we what we could do to genuinely fix it what do we have to do as citizens of this country to make our justice system a little more just because i think we deserve it that's all that i have for this episode i want to thank you for listening and i hope you like the new format and kind of the new way we're going about things um feel free to drop a comment in the comment section of whatever platform you're listening on also please go in and rate us at a five-star if you could. I know it sounds silly, but it actually does help. It gets our listenership up because it brings our uh, it, it brings us up in a search result a lot higher. So if you like what you hear, go in and give us a five-star review. And uh, definitely, you know, suggest us to your friends. We're going to start putting out an episode every, every single uh, week and then hopefully ramp up to two episodes a week. But uh, definitely stay um, and just keep an eye out and subscribe. And then that way you can know when our new um, our new episodes come out and you can be one of the first to listen to it. All right. I appreciate your time and you have a good rest of your week.